Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin. The only problem I'm going to have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is going to go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What is going on, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street, the Draft Dak NBA Draft Podcast. And today we have a really fun episode. I feel like we've been teasing it for a while. We're going to hit on a player that Albert absolutely loves. Um, my name is Corey Tellaba. I am your host. I'm here with my co-host, Albert Gim, as always. Albert, how are we doing today? We're, uh, why'd I say we? Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm doing good, man. I'm excited. I, I feel like we, we've been waiting for this moment. We've been building um, a lot of anticipation for this episode, and I have no idea what I'm about to say. Like I, I watched a lot. I watched a lot and I really tried to be as objective as possible, but you know what, Corey, I'm ready to go. I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say and I'm right ready to fight you guys on all of it. But uh, here we go. All right. And, and by you guys, Albert is referring to our special guest. We have Nathan Grubel from the draft deeper podcast hanging out with us today to discuss Jalen. Uh, this is kind of our home and home episode. We appeared on the draft deeper podcast talking about the G league guys. Um, so we're excited to have Nathan here today with us. Nathan, how are we doing today? You're, you're putting a lot of pressure on me in terms of building up that <laughs> anticipation for this episode, but I I'm incredibly honored to be here. Seriously. Thank you guys for having me on. Um, you guys did a wonderful job on my podcast and I'm, I'm eager to return the favor talking about, I, I was on with Chris LeBron yesterday, and he he asked me a question about who are your top five, like, your guys. And I couldn't not have Jalen Johnson on there for my preseason expectations for him. So let's get into it. Yeah, shout out Chris and the uh, Off the Ball podcast and, and the network. They're uh, doing big things. Uh, check them out. All right. The time is now. Jalen Johnson. Duke power forward. 19 and a half years old on draft day six foot nine 220 reported 611 wingspan 11.2 points per game 6.1 rebounds per game 2.2 assists to two and a half turnovers 1.2 steals 1.2 blocks 52 44 63 shooting splits for a true shooting percentage of 58 percent i'll just say one of these things is not like the other in those shooting splits, um, but we're going to get into that in a little bit. It's time for preseason rankings. Bleacher Report, nine. ESPN, six. SB Nation, seven. Now, I think, you know, if you've made it this far into uh, our podcast, you probably know Jalen Johnson is somebody who uh, is a little bit People are a little iffy on, so let's see where his rankings have gone since. Bleacher Report 7. So he moved up two spots from the preseason. Mm. ESPN 9, dropped 3, and SB Nation 10. 
dropped three. So uh, preseason, his average stock price seven point three. Postseason, eight point six. So he dropped, but not as much as you might anticipate, given the way that some of the people on the internet talk about uh, our friend Jalen. So, Nathan, I'll start with you. Is Jalen Johnson's stock price too high, too low, or is it just right at 8.6? I think right now, just giving how that season ended, I'd say just right. Um, I, I personally cannot let him go past 10. He is, without a doubt in my mind, a top 10 talent in this draft class, and I think there's there's two things – behind it. So you can you can negatively knock him, like I said, because of how that season ended, given that Duke went on a winning run at the end of the season. And honestly, in some of those ACC tournament games had that unfortunate situation with our our, our good friend the COVID nineteen not happened. They could have very well won that tournament and gotten into the NCAA tournament. Like like that looked like a legitimate possibility. So you ask the question, why was that Duke team better without him? So that's definitely a negative. But I think what's helping him is this uncertainty. At least this is the case for me. Once you get past like that top five or six guys, I don't know if there's as sure of a thing that you can make an argument for who who definitely looks better on paper than what Jalen Johnson can potentially bring to the table. So I think it's the uncertainty of that, like the back half of that lottery that definitely helps keep him right there. But I'm curious to hear what you guys think, if, if you guys think he's definitely priced right on the draft stock market, as we want to call it. <laughs> yeah. He, on, on the draft deck, um, I'm going to say that his stock is also priced right. And I'm going to save okay. Albert's response for, for last due to the anticipation. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I think that this draft has maybe five Holy shit guys. And what I mean by that is there are moments when you could be watching a game and out of nowhere, you just go, Holy shit. You know, uh, Jalen green, his athleticism, Jalen Johnson, sometimes he'll have these uber athletic moments. I think you can make a case for somebody like Bones Highland, who is pulling up from the logo, just be like, oh, holy shit, I didn't see that coming. But I don't think there are a ton of them. And Jalen is definitely one of them in this draft. I, I, you know, just his physical profile, you look at him, he's staggering. He looks, he stands out just by the eye test before the jump even happens. Um, so for me, and, and you know, as we get into the scattering report and we start talking about his strengths and stuff, I got to say, I'm a Jalen guy. I he there. I think you know when we talk about is he better, you know, why was Duke better without him and blah blah blah. Like, I think sometimes when you're scouting, you got to kind of ignore the like results of winning. Not all, not always, but like there. are there are contextual things and he is a guy that to me has a much more suited NBA game than the college game, at least in the situation that he was in. Um, so I'm a, I'm a Jalen Johnson guy. I think his stock is just right because I do think that you can't ignore the struggles completely. And there are guys that, you know, did kind of blow me away that, that moved past him. But um, yeah, I, I think it's just right. Albert. The floor is yours. Okay, so I'm, I'm going to give you like a two-part answer. I think if I were a GM, um, it's too high. If I were mm-hmm. a GM, 
right? But if I'm looking at the general consensus or what I believe NBA GMs are looking at and hoping for, uh, I think it's just right. And the reason why I say that is because I feel like even his preseason ranking and then even what his, and if you look at his ranking now, I think a lot of that is uh, looking at the potential of Jalen Johnson. Um, I, I feel like, you know, uh, uh, the reason why he was so high on those in those rankings was because you can see a lot of the potential. And I think that's why he was where he was and where he is now. I, I think NBA GMs are going to look at him and look at him as a what if. Uh, what will he become? What can he potentially blossom into, grow into? And I think that's why he's so high on these rankings. Um, but my answer for me is that it's too high. I think, once again, NBA GMs are probably just right. If I were a GM, I think it's too high, but that's probably maybe, maybe this is why I'm not an NBA GM. Um, but, you know, we're definitely going to get into the nitty gritty later as to why I feel that way. I'm actually a little surprised, um, Corey, that you're a Jalen Johnson guy, but I'm excited to hear that. And for the first time ever, I'll be in the minority here. And uh, I'm ready to de- defend my case because, look, I, I'm not going to, I, I want to preface all this by saying I'm not a, I don't hate Jalen Johnson. Um, I'm at, I was actually pretty pleasantly surprised with some of the stuff that I saw, but I do have some real questions, and I think that's where I end up landing and we're going to end up talking about. I do have some serious questions about him, but um, here we go, guys. I'm ready. I'm ready for. I'm that. very curious to hear that if you're the reasons why you don't like him kind of align mm-hmm. with my negatives that I definitely see with him because I I think that my general case against him. If I were going to make one, I don't really hear in the the social waves a lot. So I'll be curious to to compare and contrast. Sure. Well, well, well. I think that's part of it. I think when people kind of talk negatively about Jalen or or talk about him in the sense he feels like the forgotten man sometimes when you think of some of these guys, you know, because some of the other top guys who dropped down the boards, Zaire Williams, B.J. Boston, they kind of completely fell out of the picture and out of the discussion, whereas like Jalen Johnson's kind of hung around, but it feels like the reason that he's been the forgotten man out of this potential top 10 group is because of the way that he left. Um, mm-hmm. There are the, the, the questions lingering of, well, he also did that, you know, in high school and, you know, he's this guy who has, he committed anywhere for a long period of time. It's he, he's just dating girls left and right. It's like, he's, he's, just on Tinder with all of these teams, just swiping right till he finds the perfect match. Or, um, so it feels like that. It it feels like it's less to do with his actual basketball ability and more to do with the perception about him personally. At, at mm-hmm. least that's what what I get reading, you know, stories or seeing the way you know the the discussion is um, online about him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we're definitely going to be speculating on this podcast for sure. I personally do not have any sources that are close to him. So I think when we ask those questions regarding how he left, why he left, Corey, you brought up a great point about some of the high school stuff as well. We we don't know the answer to, are these a lot of decisions that he personally is making and decisions that he wants to make? Or do we have to ask the questions about the company he keeps? Unfortunately, mm-hmm. we, we can't necessarily go any deeper than just leaving that evaluation like that at, at, at surface level. But 
I mean, the, these are things that NBA GMs are going to want answers to, and they're going to have the avenues to be able to get that information. And I think once we get closer to the draft and we kind of hear everything come out regarding um, like Jonathan Gavoni and Mike Schmitz, guys like that who are setting these mock drafts up, Chad Ford even, um, the, they'll start to get intel as well. And, and where he'll be on those mock drafts will tell us, I think they'll, they'll give us the answer to those questions for sure. Uh, yeah, I think 100%. I think. I think for me, I do want to preface all this by saying uh, I actually don't care at all about any of that stuff. When I was evaluating Jalen Johnson, like the I, I read some stuff on about like when he left IMG Academy, uh, the Duke stuff. Like I, I feel like if we look at the league now, most of these guys, if not all these guys, make decisions for themselves. They're going to do what is best for them. And I think we're in a day and age where I think even NBA GMs are resigned to that fact. I think they understand that these players are going to do what's best for them. And I actually don't mind that at all. Like when when it was announced that he was leaving Duke and he's going to prepare for the draft, in my mind, I was like, oh, good for you. Like if that's the decision you're making for yourself and you think that's best for your future, cool. Like go for it. Um, I don't feel like he owes Duke anything. Like, you know, whenever, like, we see these guys who went to these schools for one year, like Kyrie's Kyrie's notoriously a Duke guy, and he played, like, what, four yeah. games for them? It's like, yeah, brotherhood, brotherhood. I'm like, bro, you played four games there. You <laughs> barely s- s- spend a semester there, and you're, like, Duke forever. I, I Like, you know, like, I don't think Jalen Johnson really owes them anything. So that stuff, actually, I didn't care about it at all. It's actually more about his game. So, sure. yeah, anyway, well, we'll talk more about that later. And that's why I'm a Jalen guy, because I strictly focused on his game as well. Um, and let's get into that game. So, all right. So like I mentioned earlier, he has, he's legit, like, modern-day power forward size. Like, as far as physical specimens in the draft, like, a lot of guys are listed at, like, 6'8", 6'9", 220. And sometimes you're like, maybe? But him, he is that, like, like this dude is, he's 6'9", 220, 225, like, whatever uh, he's in at. He's a solid just NBA ready body. Um, I think that I mentioned he's a wow athlete. I think most people, if you've watched any highlight, you've seen, you know, the Clemson dunk in transition, uh, just absolutely posterizing a, you know, poor future accountant. Um, And it's, yeah, I mean, that was, uh, he could be a lawyer. I don't, yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. (laughs) Um, But just a, really good good athlete it, like and, and and an nba athlete like again like i keep coming back to this and and where i'm able to ignore a little bit of the college context is that i, I feel like so much of what he has in him i could picture working at the nba uh talking about his passing a little bit and i think you know it kind of in in some parts goes hand in hand with his handle i i think that in transition Usually, you know, good passers look like better passers because there's more space um, and it's easier to make reads and decisions. And I loved his passing and transition and the way that he could use a the space and b like his physical gifts and, and his height and to, to make reads from anywhere. Um, and what I really love about his passing, and this goes for the half court, too, because I thought he made some really great reads when they posted him up and put him in the mid post back to the basket, draw a double, either kick out or swing to the weak side. This dude throws just bullets like his passes have zip on them and like they are going. It's like a pitcher to a catcher's mitt, just like it. 
in a, in a second flat, it's there. It's in your shooting pocket. You know, a lot of guys who are passers, you know, th- they don't always get the ball to the shooter exactly where the shooter would want it. And I feel like every time he made a pass, it was almost exactly where you would want it as a shooter. And it got there in no time at all, which, you know, makes it hard for teams to, uh, catch up to on rotations when you're swinging the ball to the weak side the quicker you get it there now you know guys are scrambling and that's how defense is totally collapsed so um i absolutely loved his handle uh, i mean his passing but with that said like i don't really envision him as a guy that is like initiating offense necessarily um because i while he has a good handle i think it's kind of loose and it's a little sloppy at times and when you're in a half court um i just i, I think that if you're putting him in this you know, high usage primary initiator role, you're not really maximizing his actual gift. So, uh, Nathan, let's, how how do you feel, what do you like about his passing? Um, and, and do you agree or or disagree about, you know, him possibly being a guy that you could use in, you know, a high usage role as, as an initiator? You hit on a lot of the, the good things about his passing specifically, how he's delivering the ball in what manner is he getting the ball to that shooter? Obviously, you mentioned that he whips it right into that shooting pocket. These are all good things to see. The main thing to me with Jalen Johnson is if you have if he has to make a decision with the ball in like a split second, he's not there yet. It's he makes a lot of those passes when he has enough time to be able to see the core. He has like that two to three seconds to read what the defense is doing, and then he's able to make a play. Um, and, and he doesn't necessarily operate at the best change of pace either. He's kind of like a, a, a one-speed playmaker. If it's there, great. If it's not, he's probably just going to you know, try to make something happen himself, which we saw that, that that can be a good thing at times for somebody like him who does have skill as a shot maker. And we'll get into that when we talk about his scoring and his shooting. Um, but it can be a bad thing as well. Like when we're talking about a high usage guy who has to handle the ball and make plays for others, we're talking about these smart point guards or smart jumbo playmakers, whatever you want to classify them as they're able to make those split second decisions. And I don't see that from him yet. That's really been my biggest question about Jalen Johnson. And this is going to be an overarching theme when we split off his different skills and we talk about these things. I don't think he understands the game at a high level at all. I think he's a very raw basketball player, which is, this is kind of what I was talking about. You don't really hear that a lot when people are talking about Jalen Johnson, when he was coming out of high school, you see him handling the ball in transition. You see him as this half court playmaker um, initiating the offense for, for everybody else. But when he got to Duke and I'm watching him make all these things happen, despite the regardless of the aspect we want to break down his game with he just didn't seem like he knew how to play the game of basketball at a high level so a lot of what he did including his passing I think he's done off of pure raw ability that to me is scary that's why I'm going to remain a Jalen Johnson guy I'm curious as to what Albert thinks about some of that See, Nathan, you're messing me up man you're (laughs) you you came on the pod and I thought you were gonna just be yeah, like we were going to fight the whole episode. But, I, dude, what you're saying is exactly how I felt, except I, I did want to touch on a couple of things. I think, Corey, when you mentioned his passing, I did want to say, like, I, I think the vision is there. There, I, I truly do believe that people are born with more vision than others. Like, we see that. Like, when we talk about a guy like Joshua Giddy, right? Like, Giddy has, I think he's just born with vision. I think people 
some people have better spatial awareness. Some people have better like feel all these things. I think some people are born with like, and I think we see that even with like drivers and I don't mean basketball driving. I mean like actually driving of cars. Like some people are better drivers than others. Like my wife is a terrible driver and she'll never hear this. (laughs) And I'm thankful for that. But her, her, her spatial awareness is terrible. So she has trouble parking. She has trouble like driving and merging into lanes because it's just not there for her. I feel like Jalen Johnson has, some decent like court awareness i think he has good vision my only thing was like i felt like a lot of his passes as you mentioned nathan a lot of it was kind of simple like i i remember like watching okay i really tried to watch the games where he was good or people talk about the games where he was good the two games that most people bring up when talking about jalen johnson was his game against copen state and his game against Pitt. right i watch the hell out of those games because I really wanted to be like, okay, can Jalen Johnson change my mind? And I felt like a lot of the passes that he was making, it was kind of like, these felt like basic reads for me. Like I was watching the pit game. They were sending double teams his way. And I'm like thinking, how many times is Jalen Johnson going to get double teamed in the NBA? I'm not sure. But oh, as you mentioned, Nathan, he would catch it. They would double. And it w- these weren't like great double teams either, where it was like high pressure and he had to make like really tough decisions. I felt like the, the pit defense, they didn't have a big really. And they uh, the weak side cutters were just walking into the lane. And he was like, okay, I'm going to find you here. And we're going to get a layup here. So like, that alone i was kind of like okay i'm not super impressed here but at the same time Corey, something that i did want to acknowledge in transition though he's one hell of a player like i think that's where he shines the most in transition where he gets to go out there he gets to run i actually thought his handle was functional i didn't think his handle was amazing it didn't like um like it wasn't like you know rhode island lamar odin type of stuff like when he was running in transition but at the same time like it was pretty functional. He did a pretty good job. And I think for me, the reason why I'm not crazy high about him in terms of even the even the passing is I felt a lot of it felt very kind of basic. And it, it didn't like amaze me. But at the same time, where I get jacked up on him too is that there are moments where he'll throw like mind-blowing passes. Like, I know what you're talking about, Corey. I, I don't remember which game it was exactly, but he had a couple times where I was like, okay, that's pretty damn impressive. So I think that's where I am with Jalen Johnson. I think he's a good passer. I don't think he's an amazing passer. Like he, it, not too many like jaw dropping passes. Maybe I'm in the minority on that too. But I felt like a lot of it came from basic stuff. Is kind of where I'm landing. Here's the thing, though, is that the M- NBA offenses have become so watered down, especially in the playoffs right now. You notice that that sometimes basic works, especially at his size with his ability to deliver the ball. Like, I feel like that that still works. I don't think he has to be a great passer to necessarily initiate sets. It's just, it is a volume thing. And that's kind of what Corey was talking about. He asked us, do we think he can handle that role in volume? I don't necessarily think you want him handling the role in volume, but he's absolutely has the tools and he's capable of making those basic reads, those basic plays. And that that's fine. That's I don't need him to do more than that. At least I don't feel that way. But okay, actually, really, really quick. Okay, sorry. Okay. Sorry, no, Corey. Really, really Really quickly, I think my thing here, though, with Jalen Johnson is the way that people talk about him and the way that he's being mocked is I think people see him potentially being a high volume guy, like a number one option type of guy. And I think that's where I'm pumping the brakes. I think the narrative of Jalen Johnson. So Corey and I, we've talked a lot about this draft having so many of what we would call like quintessential high level elite level role players. 
right? For me, I could see Jalen Johnson being a great number two, number three option, but I, maybe it's just what I'm reading and what I've seen from mock drafts and stuff. But I think the way that people are talking about Jalen Johnson and his potential is they see him as like a number one option type of guy. And that's where I'm really pumping the brakes and I don't see that. And I think that's where I'm coming from. Okay. So I'm going to go back a little bit and then move forward to where you just came from. Sure. The fact that so many, like his passes are simple is what I enjoyed so much about them. Cause like Nathan okay. said, NBA offense is really just kind of like if you've ever listened to like uh, the JJ Reddick podcast recently, and he was talking with Tyrese Halliburton. He's like, there are five sets that NBA teams run. Okay, so that that's all you need to know, and we they call them different things and and whatever. But like basically, all you need to know are basic five things. You know, high, high screen, post up, pin downs, blah blah blah. Like the the basic of what basketball is. I love him as like. And his potential, like as just like a short roll guy, like <laughs> making a hard screen, getting the ball, and making quick reads. I actually thought that, and you know, I kind of mentioned this high usage role thing in jest because I had a feeling none of us were were kind of on board <laughs> with that. Um, but like, I I really like the I, like I personally thought that he did a good job making quick reads. Okay, where I think his struggles would be is like can he do the Chris Paul thing where he's actually seeing the entire play before it happens and acting accordingly and forcing the defense to act the way he wa- wants. And I don't think he's capable of that. Not many guys are. Um, but you know, I, I, like I said, I like his potential in the short roll because that's a quick decision guy close, you know, uh, rotates over, hit the open man guy doubles down. Where's the, the open guy. I thought he consistently made those kind of reads. Um, so that I actually like now, going to your next point where you're like a lot of people think he might be a number one. I think he's a good number two or number three. I absolutely agree. Um, I think one of the issues that he had, like, look, Duke's point guard play just wasn't good. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I feel like if he was a guy, like if he played with Trey Jones, I feel like he would have had a more convincing year. Now, maybe not, maybe the foot injury really hampered, hampered him in the way he moved, maybe whatever, you know, maybe COVID really messed him up, whatever issues he had. But I can, I just continuously looked and went, here's a guy who's going to be able to play off of a guy who's making passes. Like, I think that as a dive man, the fact that he could pass, the fact that he has plus athleticism and strength, I'm just like this guy to me. And, you know, I'm going to save it for, for, uh, the, the, the later segments of who you would, uh, who, who maybe you see a little bit of if you've bought this stock, I'll save it for them. But there are guys that I, I look at who have succeeded in the NBA and I go, he could do that. So I, I don't think it's a number one role. I, I don't think, and, and let's go into, you know, kind of his scoring. Like, I think he's a good finisher, but I think he lacks touch in basically yes. any, any area outside of like three or four feet. Um, so, you know, to me, like, he has potential to improve those areas because I don't think it's like hard bricks off the side of the backboard, but um, you know, I, I think you got kind of got to prove that they can go in. I think he shot like outside of close twos. I mean, his, the rest of his two points were like in the thirties, um, which is not, not a great percentage. So I, I like him just playing off of somebody who knows how to make the best of his abilities. And that's partly why I think his stock is priced 
in the right spot because there are teams where I could see him going to and just blowing people's socks off. And then there are teams that he could just not fit on. Like I'm real scared if the Bulls pick, you know, goes to the Magic, that the Magic are going to be in a position where they're like, he's the best talent available. Let's go. And he, now he's got to play next to Jonathan Isaac. And that will make me want to claw my fucking eyes out. So, um, (laughs) like, uh, but I think that if you put him next to somebody like who can actually make plays or like smart, um, teammates who move the ball. And like, I think he's, I think he's going to be good. I, I, I like his cutting, you know, I thought he, he, he moves pretty well off the ball. And, and, um, obviously like he's, all he needs is a split second because he's got a quick jump and we'll see see that on the defensive end too. But as, as to your point, I, yeah, I think he's his best case is a number two, but if he could be a number three, I think he's like a high level number three is the thing, you know, cause there are a lot of teams that, that have a number three option, but how many of them are like high level. And I think he could be a high level number three. Um, Nathan, what do you think his like, upside is as as far as role as you know number one number two number three or or worse than that i i i don't know if i've ever seen number one option with him but that doesn't mean that i wouldn't take him in the top 10 because i think if we would project every top 10 pick to be a number one option we'd be setting ourselves up for disappointment (laughs) pretty quickly so but that being said um, you, you talked about his finishing inside Corey. All that is, is on point around the basket. He's an absolute monster. Um, some of those like like tough like fall away type shots that we banked off the glass. It's just like oh my god, like who's gonna stop this guy around the basket if he really is able to have his way? I have some numbers that might surprise you guys though. Okay. So re- regarding the jump shot specifically, he took he took t- twenty eight jump shots total. Not the largest of sample sizes, but he also only played 13 games, right? Freshman in a COVID-enriched season, didn't get to gel preseason with his teammates, build chemistry as much as he probably would have in a normal year. That whole nine yards, right? So let's just keep that in mind. Out of those 28 jump shots, 17 of them were catch-and-shoot looks. Can you guess what percentile in the country he ranked in on those catch-and-shoot looks, those 17 shots? I'm going to say somewhere around 80. The 99th percentile. He shot almost 59% on those looks. Guarded, he shot 50%. Guarded catch and shoot looks. Not all those were three-point shots, but you talk about different ways that you can use him off the ball, Corey, different ways to be able to get him involved. If that's a part of his game, what are we talking about? Like if the jump shot really is there, which I think that it is, I think the jumper is going to be there. I don't really see that as a problem. Again, this is where I think that he has the skills to be able to score in a variety of ways. I think in time he can be a three level scorer of sorts. Do you want him creating 10 mid range shots for himself, a game and pulling up all the time? Probably not, but there are creative ways to be able to get him involved him himself involved in multiple different scenarios. And we wanted to talk about um, his transition game. And you guys mentioned his passing in transition. You like that a lot. I want him to score in transition. Yeah. And that to me is an area where I actually thought he, he fell short Corey, You mentioned it, his cutting. He was in the 94th percentile in the country on cuts. So that bears itself out, but in transition scoring out of transition sets, he was only in the 47th percentile. 
the, the, those are like fucking rookie numbers, man. I, I want those to go up. Like I want him <laughs> to be attacking. Like when I'm a Sixers guy, I yell at my TV every other possession when Ben Simmons gets in transition. He doesn't just go all the way because he's that much quicker and more powerful than a lot of these other guys. And while Jalen Johnson isn't quite as fast, a lot of that power in his game is still there. And I think he even has better touch around the basket than Ben Simmons. I don't think Ben Simmons has much of any touch around the basket personally. That's just my opinion. I've had to watch him for so many years now. But, yeah, I see I see many different ways in which Jalen Johnson can impact an offense scoring the basketball. And, again, I don't think it's the ability. It's how do you get him to the point where he recognizes how to get himself involved in those play types? Is he going to always recognize when to cut? Is he going to always recognize when it's his turn to, to, to come off a screen or whatever the case may be, catch, turn, shoot? Is that going to be what he looks to do? Or is he going to maybe not see his opening and take some time and he has to take those two or three seconds like I talked about and reevaluate the play? Like how quickly is he going to be able to make those decisions? That's really what, what my concern is for him as a scorer. You know, that, 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 let's talk about the jumper. Let's talk yeah. about the jumper. Nathan, you're buying. You're buying some some jumper stock. Albert, let's hear it. I, I don't know. Like, for me, I, I think, Corey, you and I are – I think we're a little bit more eye test in terms of shooting. Yeah. Like, we, we like we like guys who have pretty jump shots. Like, And, and for me, we've, could be, we've been consistent on this podcast. We're really big on free throw percentage, too. I mean, but, okay. Damn, I'm coming back to this again too. Just thinking, like the sample size is small, though. Like you, you are very right, small. Thir- Thirteen games is really, really small. I do want to acknowledge that. But 63 percent from the free throw line in those 13 games that breaks my heart. Um, I the the shot doesn't look pretty to me. Is what I is what I want to say in terms of the eye test. His offhand looks like weird. His offhand does something strange when he's shooting, which it was something that I noticed. Maybe you guys feel differently. I, I thought it looked strange. Um, I, I just don't like just for me. But then again, I was so wrong on Halliburton last year too. But it, it's fine. It's fine. Um, for me, I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna die on this island right now. I don't know. Like it just didn't look great to me. Um, and, and and I do want to kind of reiterate what I was saying before in that Nathan, I agree with you. I think context is really, really important. But at the same time, uh, another thing that I I keep coming back to is that I feel like just the discourse around Jalen Johnson is what bothered me the most. Um, I don't remember if it was if it was Chad Ford or who I was listening to. Maybe it was Tony Jones. I don't remember. But just the way that they were talking about Jalen Johnson and him being like this potential superstar. I think that's what was like really like kind of put me in a place where it was like, oh, this feels wrong. Um, and I just can't get to that point. And I think that's why I have such a negative view of Jalen Johnson. But in terms of what you guys are saying right now, I 100% agree. Like as a number two and number three, there's a lot of upside there that I can agree with you guys upon. But I think it really is just my mind was in a place where like if I, if people are talking about him as a number one, I just can't get there. But um, sorry, just going back to your question, Corey, the jump shot, I, I, just, I just think it looks ugly. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. That's how I feel. It just looks it- ugly to my eyes. In my notes, in my notes, I have form is yucky. So, cheers. <laughs> no, so um, we are. I, I know for sure I am an eye test guy when it comes to shooting uh, percentages. I like to look at. Obviously, you hope that they bear each other out. You know, uh, we look at kind of similar percentages. Granted, uh, higher volume, but Davion Mitchell 
probably shot the three ball at same percentage, much higher volume, shot free throws at around the same percent um, yeah. on higher volume or <laughs> the amount of times Davion went to uh, the line, probably not even that much higher volume. But uh, I look at Davion's form and I go, I'm not worried about his free throw shooting in the long run. He might not ever be a guy who's shooting, you know, 88% from the line, but I'm not nervous that he's not going to be able to be on the floor at the end of games. Uh, Jalen shot, you know, it's as ugly as it looked and his follow through makes me want to uh, just take my head and bash it into a wall. (laughs) I have no idea what's happening. I don't know how it's physically possible but his wrist does one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. And you, I, I can't even explain it. You just need to watch it. It's like a hitch, but it, it looks like the exorcist head. I feel like it's doing a 360 mm. around his wrist. I have no idea what the fuck is happening there. Doesn't it kind of look like the ball comes off of his wrist, like his fingertips, like before he actually snaps his wrist? It's I have really no fucking weird. idea what it looks like. That <laughs> might be it. Yeah, me it's neither. Still, I, but, but here's the thing. When he's shooting, I don't think he's – necessarily going to miss so (laughs) i almost feel the same way that i felt when joe kim noah was taking like 15 footers where it's like all right this looks horrible but like joe kim noah got to a point when he was like really in his prime where you were like you can't i mean you play the percentages you can leave them open but like he's going to make you pay like at the end of a game like if it's a tight game and you're just trying to play the percentage on it like he's a guy that's going to knock it down as weird as it looked. And I feel like Jalen's a guy that could get there. I mean, is he, do I foresee him being a guy that is going to shoot like a high percentage at the free throw line? Probably not. But do I think he's a guy that is going to be able to hit spot up threes on, you know, somewhat minimal volume, you know, maybe three, three and a half, four attempts a game, you know, one day. Yeah, I kind of do. Do I think he's probably more of a 34% shooter rather than 44% shooter? I think he's probably closer to 34. Maybe he has some years where he gets to the high 30s, and I think he'll probably fluctuate. Um, But I also think that that's going to be enough that defenses are going to close out on him, and that's where he's going to be able to kind of attack closeouts, get downhill, and either make a play or go to the rim hard and finish, draw free throw, whatever, um, and do something positive off of it. So, I'm kind of so-so on his shot. Like, I don't ever want him shooting an off-the-dribble three-pointer, at least Mm. not until I see something different with his exorcism release. But, uh, yeah, it's it's a really hard thing to to gauge because aesthetically, it sucks. Um, But I wouldn't say all of it sucks aesthetically. No, and the reason why I say that is because it, it's his mechanics, it's release mechanics that we're talking about that really yeah, 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 suck. Yeah. But yeah. his lower he's body consistent. mechanics no, he's are consistent. actually really good. Yeah, yeah like he's there's... balanced. Yep. Yeah, I uh, you're right. Um, but his release is gross looking. But yes. uh, that that's happened before, and people have still been good shooters with gross looking form. Sean Marion was a great shooter, even though he had form that you would if he walked into a like elementary school workout Mm -hmm. you know a clinic setting uh camp setting you'd be like we have to fix this shot you know if a little kid did it but he was able to manage and and kevin martin um who was actually like a really good shooter so look i like i said i don't think he's going to be a high volume guy at any point um and i think if he is he might have had his knees chopped off like he's too athletic to be pigeonholed into that um, despite 
you know, the, the amount of threes that continuously increase in the NBA every single year. Um, but uh, it's enough that I think he'll be good enough that you'll close out on it eventually. Early on, as a rookie, teams are going to be like, let that shit fly, man. Like, and he's going to have to prove himself, yep. right? <laughs> and until he does, uh, you know, it's it, it could be an issue. Um, and we've seen kind of, I think, both sides of the coin, right? We've seen a guy like Giannis who teams are like, just do it. Fire it up. And he keeps willingly doing it. And we're all like, oh, this sucks. Stop doing that. And then we have Ben Simmons on the other side who's not doing it at all. And we're like, oh, do it a little bit. And, uh, you know, maybe uh, maybe Jalen will find a middle ground between um, too much and, and too little. And if he does, I think that could, you know, ultimately not be a tool, but at least not be, uh, you know, a negative for him. Now, this leads me to, you know, a question finishing up offensively. Personally, I think he's a a four. What is the proper like front court partner for Jalen Johnson? Because like I mentioned before, if he goes to Orlando and is in the front court with fucking Wendell Carter and Jonathan Isaac, like it's it's going to be a train wreck. So, what's like the who's the proper partner for this kid in that front court? Why do you think Wendell Carter would be a train wreck? If you don't mind me asking, because uh, I'm a Bulls fan and. Uh, <laughs> And Wendell, the idea of Wendell Carter is significantly better than the actuality of Wendell Carter. Um, yeah, Wendell looks like he should be able to stretch the floor. He can't. Sorry. Wendell looks like he should be able to block a bunch of shots. He can't. Sorry. Wendell looks like he should be able to consistently guard out on the perimeter. He can't. I'm sorry. So, like, and, you know, as a Bulls fan, you just kept going, oh, but remember when he did it as a rookie? And then it's like, and he just never could, it just kept getting worse. So like, to me, like if you're a magic fan and you're a Wendell Carter guy, like Wendell's going to be like completely fine if he's probably like your bench big, but if he's a guy that you're like counting on for a future piece, like, what are you going to pay this dude? He's going to, you're gonna have to pay him soon. Like, are you willing to pay him, you know, the money he's probably going to command for whatever reason? Like, it's not going to be worth it. He doesn't fit with Jonathan Isaac. Like, um, in at least in my opinion, defensively, yeah, they're like because Wendell's a, a very intelligent player, so they're probably going to be able to, you know, the defensively do some some fun things, even if like the the stock numbers aren't like out of this world for Wendell. But um, it, I just it's just like it's not going to work. I can just it's not going to work. I I, I I know it's not. <laughs> so, like I <laughs> so some NBA team has a chance to relive some of the fantasies that I had when Aaron Gordon came out. And I was like, why is this dude not playing small ball five? Why mm-hmm. does nobody want to put him as a small ball five? Cause I think the one thing that Jalen Johnson can do, I don't know if this needs to be like the perfect segue into us talking about his defense, but I think the one yeah. thing that he proved he can do was pr- protect the rim is kind of like this active shot block playmaker kind of yeah. defender. Um, Cause if you have him out on the wing and he's got to defend in a whole bunch of space, this comes back to me not thinking how he, he knows how to play proper basketball because sometimes he just looks like he doesn't know what the hell's going on, right? So mm-hmm. I think you want to avoid having him in those situations as much as possible. Obviously, playing him as like the small ball type of five, that presents its own can of worms that you open up with him playing in pick and roll coverages and him having to figure out on the fly how he, how he does that. I mean, you see much more skilled bigs than 
him just being diced up in the playoffs right now by by these do do I play drop covers? Do I try and hedge? Like, what do I do here? But that's it's all. But (laughs) I was not a fan of uh, when he was playing the five and he was put in a drop situation. I'll just tell you that right now. (laughs) (laughs) I was not a fan. The cat and mouse game was not on his side. But offensively, which is apparently we're just going to go into this league that's like all offense all the time. If this is really where we're headed, like him as this playmaker, potentially the secondary creator off the bounce from the center spot is really intriguing to me. And I think that's how you get him involved in those more when you talked about Corey using him as a screener and then a short roll playmaker. Like that's how you get involved in those situations, especially if you don't buy the jump shot hitting right away, him kind of spacing the floor as a four. Do I think he's probably going to end up as the four long-term? That That's probably where he's going to end up. But, like, my creative mind wants to wander elsewhere, and I would want to see him take on more as a small ball five than, than anything else. That's interesting. Um, I guess that probably opens up more scenarios for him. Um, yeah. But personally, like you, you mentioned, I, I don't think defensively he's going to be able to play there full-time, um, at least not early on. Uh but he's definitely going to be able to hold his own on switches. And I think that him being versatile defensively is going to be one of his calling cards. Um, So I, I can agree with you that him being used as a five in spurts is going to be beneficial. I think for him and for certain teams, especially because it, it seems like more and more teams are willing to just throw out, a big in certain lineups and there are going to be times where he's probably the biggest guy on the floor. Um, and even like going back to Wendell Carter, like Wendell is probably the same size. You know, he's probably a little thicker just um, as he's put on a little bit of weight in the league, but height wise and he, his reaches, he's got, you know, better length, but like just height wise, like they're probably the same height. So like even, you know, centers like that, like he's going to have, not really a big size disadvantage in, in a lot of those matchups. Uh, Albert, what do you think? Or what kind of what kind of front court partner do you do you like with with uh, with Jalen? I don't know, man. Like, I, you guys are really getting me to second guess everything right now. But um, okay, <laughs> sorry. Can I transition really quickly and ask you guys something? Because yeah, this this, this game really bothered me. I, I watched that game against Pitt, right? And yep. after watching that game, I was like, man, it is like. Is Justin Champagny like, is this guy like a top five prospect? Like, this guy's unbelievable. But um, at, obviously, I'm kidding. But um, I, I was wondering how you felt about that game. Because for me, I think one of my biggest questions with Jalen was, I felt like when you look at him, I feel like, yeah, like the athleticism is there. I thought his athleticism popped the most. Where, Nathan, when you talked about his rim protection, he had some sick blocks in that game. And I was like, this is freaking impressive. That's really, really nice. Um, but I did wonder, like, he went at Champagne a couple times. And Champagne just took his lunch money every single time. And I thought Champagne was tougher than him. I thought he used his physicality really, really well. And Jalen Johnson really didn't know what to do with him. And so I guess, like, once again, my mind being in that place where can Jalen Johnson be a number one option and seeing him struggle so much in those one-on-one situations, that's where, like, I I really struggled with that. But if we look at the other stuff that he did in that game, I thought he rebounded really well. Once again, he had some sick blocks. He had some really, really nice passes. uh, Did really, really well in transition in that game with the, you know, few opportunities that he did have. But if we just, like... 
once again, you don't want to isolate a game, but I thought in that game, him going head to head with Champagne, I, th- I thought, it, it, am I even, sorry, am I even pronouncing his name right? Is it Champagne or is it Sham? I have no, no you're idea. You're pronouncing how to say it right, Champagne. Yep. Okay. Yeah. I thought Champagne had his, had his number the whole game. And so just wanted to throw that at you, see how you guys felt from watching the same game. I mean, I, I thought between him and between Johnson and Champagne going back and forth trading buckets, that was like, holy shit. That was one of the, the best games from a prospect I've seen all year just in terms of shot making. That was on the level of some of those Cade Cunningham performances that we saw where like he was just walking down the court, just pulling up from God knows wherever on the court and just getting a bucket mm-hmm. for Oklahoma State. So that that was definitely what stood out to me a lot. But yeah, the, he, had, he had moments throughout his his. his games where he looked like this amazing defensive playmaker type like I'm going to swat your shot into the stands like Zion back when he was playing at Duke and you're not going to do anything about it so he's definitely one of those like playmaker type of defenders Um, I agree about the physicality aspect that you pointed out Albert but at the same time he's going to be what 20 when he actually gets in the NBA like we're talking about a guy, he's probably going to be a lot different than we remember him. We're, we're going to see some stupid photo like three weeks from now where he's packed on like 15 pounds of muscle and he looks like a completely different player. You know what I mean? Like it just happens yeah. at this time of year. It is what it is. But um, yeah. I'm not necessarily as concerned with the physicality aspect. I think he's a tough kid. I think he wants to win. I definitely saw that grit from him when he was playing on the court at Duke. So I think that he will ultimately rise to the occasion in time. And that's why I kind of think that him playing the four spot takes away some of that physicality to an extent, because every four man just wants to space the floor. Now he doesn't have to worry about battling somebody inside all the time. But I think just like, just give it like a year or two down the road. I think our opinions might change on that aspect. That's at least how I feel. That's fair. Um, talk, that's talking fair. about his, talking about his shot blocking. Um, and you talk about like a playmaker. I love that he blocks shots with both hands. Um, <laughs> You know, like it, it seems kind of like a, a weird thing to point out, but like, you know, we talked about this um, with J. Kyle Mann when, we were, when with Isaiah Jackson and like who I, Isaiah Jackson does a lot of shot blocking with his left hand and it's, you don't have to go across your body. You know, it's, it's a more natural movement. You're not going to, you know, foul as much. Um, and the fact that he has a, like, to, he's got a really quick jump. Like he's very quick off his feet, yeah. which is you know one of the reasons he's able to go and get a bunch of these these blocks in and kind of create plays because it's it's almost like you said like the Zion like out of nowhere type stuff. Um, so I, I I love that about him. And then you talked about his grit and his battling, and this is almost why I feel like it's weird that he has this kind of perception on him of like I feel like there's this perception that he's like kind of like this soft quitter. Um, mm. but like when you actually watch him play, like he's diving on the floor for loose balls. Yep. He's, he's battling in the post. He's working his ass off to front bigger guys, you know, tr- trying to just trust his weak side help. He's, you know, there's one, I forgot what game it was. Maybe it was the Carolina game where like he dove into the scorers table. Like here's a kid who is hustling his ass off. You know, he's doing all of the little things, the, the nitty gritty stuff that like you want your players to do. So I I almost feel like it's weird that he has this perception of of him of like, I feel like he's got this prima Donna label on him, you know, because of all the off off court stuff, but he's, he doesn't play like that. Um, you know, yeah. Like we said, there are certain things when he's 
tasked with playing the five and having to make kind of orchestrate the defense, you know, when he's basically got to be the the point guard of, of the floor um, on defense. Yeah. He struggles with that. He doesn't, he's not a guy like Scotty Barnes, who's constantly talking and, and communicating uh, the defense when he's the five. Um, he's not a guy who's really able to consistently make the right decisions guarding uh, pick and rolls, uh, which, you know, it also, some of the time it's not even necessarily on him when, when a guard is leaving you to, to be put in a, a two on one, it's that's hard for, you know, NBA bigs would experience too. Um, but I did feel like, and you know, when he was playing the four, I did feel like conceptually he had a much better grasp of what he was supposed to do. Um, and, and I feel like he made less mistakes in the team structure when he was playing a more natural position where he could switch seamlessly, um, where he could use kind of his instincts in the passing lanes, um, where he could kind of, you know, get really good rebounding position. I felt like when he was playing four, I just felt like his defensive game was a little bit more nuanced than he probably is going to get credit for, even though he has, you know, a really, I mean, he his block percentage was six, his steal percentage yeah. 3.1. And, you know, those are two indicators a lot of times of like, kind of being a, a sure thing to to kind of translate to the NBA. Um, and then, you know, he was a really good rebounder as well. So, like, I feel like he's – I just don't think he's looked at as, like, a two-way guy. And I feel like he's kind of, a like, one of the easier two-way players for me to actually see translating at the next level. I don't know if I'm crazy or not. No, uh, you're not because we, we we've talked about we, we talked about a lot of different things and we've broken his game down in multiple different ways on both ends of the floor. But the thing we I think we come back to is that if the game if everything he's doing is is simplified, he's going to excel like like no other in in those different scenarios, whether it's offense or defense. And that again comes back to my feeling that I, I think that once he gets in an NBA system, he gets with coaches who are going to take the time to actually teach him the game from a conceptual conceptual standpoint, he, he his game could really evolve over like two or three years. Like we could look back like two to three years from now and think like, wow, how did this guy slip all the way down to like 10 or 11? Like when, when he's actually learned how to play the game of basketball the right way, he's a monster. He's a dominant monster. And that's why I think that, yeah, we're, we're buying upside. We're buying into potential, but we're doing that at the same time with so many of these guys in that range. Like why not buy on someone who had two of arguably like the top, I don't know, like 10 best like prospect games out of all these guys in the year with the cop and state in the pit games. Um, probably his worst game in my mind was the Louisville game when he was just turning the ball over left and right, which we've talked about. Can he handle certain things in volume, both offensively and defensively as soon as they attack him or they make things complicated for him, it gets a little hairy, but I think that that will ultimately get better in time. And I think that if if you have the patience to bring him in and just introduce him to the NBA game simply with just a few things, go out there and do a few things for me and then build on that over time, I think the results that, that you end up bearing are could, could be incredible. Absolutely. 100%. Albert, I want to ask you a question. Yeah, I don't remember. I don't remember if it was in the Scotty Barnes episode or the Franz episode, mm-hmm. but you were talking about how you think that there was like some kind of link between those two guys. 
Mm-hmm. I feel like putting Jalen next to Scotty Barnes. I feel like that mm-hmm. is something that there should kind of be a, you know, uh, a little bit of dialogue on. Because I feel like both of those guys are hovering around the same range. Yeah. And I feel like a lot of what they offer as strengths are kind of similar. They're they're dissimilar in, you know, that like Jalen guarded bigs more often. Scotty guarded a lot of guards. Uh Scotty was much more of a like hand straight up in the air, try to wall up. Jalen is a like swat your shit out of the, you know, into the stands. Um Jalen's passing is much more read and react. Scotty's was a little bit more nuanced. But at the end of the day, a lot of their strengths and weaknesses feel like they're a little bit similar. There's the question marks about the shooting, right? There's, um, you know, what what kind of role are each guy going to play and who are they going to play next to? I kind of feel like the, the Jalen-Scotty conversation, I feel like there should be, like, more camp splitting up. Um, and, and as we clo- get closer to the draft, I feel like that might be a thing that certain teams are going to have to kind of decide on. Um, I kind of feel like there's a little bit more of a similarity between those two guys than the Franz uh, mm. and, and Scotty conversation we were having. So I think for me, it goes even beyond those two. I think I, I, I have like Keon Johnson in there too, or Josh Giddy in there too. And what I mean by that is that like, I think once again, like my perception of Jalen Johnson came back from, I think I saw a mock draft where I saw someone take him sixth, right? And then what they were talking about was like all this star potential stuff. But for me, like when I look at a Keon, when I look at a Scotty Barnes, I look at um, who else, Franz, whatever, all these guys, I see these guys as like really, really good number two and number three options, right? And these guys are like, you know, bigger wings, except Keon's like 6'5". But, you know, we're talking about big wings who can play make a little bit, who are good defenders, whatever. And so what I'm what I was trying to talk about when I was talking about Barnes and Franz is like, I, I think it'll be cool to see where their careers end up when we talk about their trajectories and their arcs. And I think we can definitely throw Jalen Johnson in there as well. Like I, I, as, as I mentioned, if we're talking about him as a number two or number three option, yeah, absolutely. Let's throw them in there and let's see where they end up. And it's, I I think the reason why Jalen was always in a different like spectrum for me was because of what I had read, right? Like I, I I was, I was thinking of Jalen as like a number one and I just couldn't get there. Right. But as a number two and number three, 100 percent, I'm with you guys. And along that, I, that's where I see Franz. That's where I see Scotty Barnes as like these supporting, awesome, high level role players, you know. And one one thing that I did want to add to Jalen Johnson that we, we didn't talk about too much is we mentioned the sample size of 13 games. But also we have to mention the fact that he was hurt. Right. Like he got hurt in the middle yeah. and that's why he missed a couple of games. And so that definitely affected his game, too. And something that I've mentioned on this pod before that I agree with you, Nathan, that Copen State game was unbelievable. Right. And I think like I, I my mind goes to two different places where like that game was an unbelievable game for Jalen Johnson. But then like I think the negative side of my brain is just like that was against Copen State. Right. Like, is he doing that against Illinois? Is he doing that against Louisville? But at the same time, like if we take it for what it is, like that was an unbelievable game where he got to show off pretty much every aspect of his game. And he even hit I think he even hit a couple threes in that game. I don't remember. Um, but yeah, so I think for me, when I talk about a Franz, when I talk about a Scotty Barnes, I talk about these guys, I think it's 
where will these guys end up as number two and number three options? Because I think that's ideal for them and how well they grow into those roles is what I'm interested in watching. So I don't think I was necessarily isolating Scotty Barnes and Franz, but I think anyone in that role, anyone in that world, I would like to see where they end up is kind of where I was. That makes let's sense. let's let's throw him at this like really really stupid big fun lineup in New Orleans with like him like <laughs> Zion like Brandon Ingram like all these guys playing together like let's Jeez. let's just go let's shoot for the most wild thing we could think of right how fun Tell would that now. be? Tell me now. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, wow. um, all Duke front court. Wow. <laughs> before we're gonna <laughs> let's, let's let's hop in, Albert. You're you're back on. You're back on. Yeah. It's time. Mm-hmm. Sell me this pen. And I, I, okay. I'm, exci- I, I'm excited for this. Sell me this pen because, you know, you've been the the Jalen skeptic throughout the season. So mm-hmm. now's your time to sell me this pen on Jalen Johnson. Yeah. Well, you know, if, if I'm selling the pen, I'm, I'm not going to bring up the negatives, right? I, I'm going to try to sell you on what's awesome about the guy. I, I, he's really freaking athletic. Um, at, at Nathan, you mentioned like some of the, some of the spotty areas of his defensive game. And I, I hear you on that, but I think the potential is there. Like, I love how he moves. And I've, I think I've been pretty consistent with that. And I, I think he's just said he moves so fluidly. I think his feet are good. Um, I think he's really, really going to grow. And as you guys mentioned, NBA coaching, NBA experience, I think you can work all that out, right? The, the aspects that you talked about in terms of him not being like super high IQ uh, as a basketball player, but I think he's going to grow into that. Um, I think offensively, as you as we've all mentioned, he is a really good passer. Um, I don't think he's like an elite level, unbelievable passer, but as you guys mentioned, the game is watered, watered down. If you can make basic, basic reads and hit those basic reads, then that's something that means something. And I think he's definitely going to be able to do that. I a hundred percent agree with you guys in terms of his work rate. I, I saw him boxing out bigger guys and I was like, that's nice. That's good to see. I, I appreciate that. Right. Um, he will send shots. He's a really good shot blocker. I really like that a lot about him. Um, you know, so yes, that's my sell in the pen. Um, I think there's, you know, as a number two, as a number three option, I think as you guys mentioned, the stuff that he'll be able to do in the short role as he grows and progresses as a player with, you know, all that other stuff, I think there's a lot to like there. I've, I'm not coming around, right? I, I think once again, we, we got to frame this right. I was against him as a number one option, but as yeah. a number two and number three, I think he's awesome. I, I, I would definitely sign up for that. Okay, so... What range do you think is like where you feel comfortable then? Because you said that that eight point six range, you you feel a little bit iffy about that. And I'm not. I don't want the the GM answer. I want you. What range yeah. now is it like? All right, I can't pass on this guy anymore. The talent's too too high. See, I don't want to feel like I have no backbone now. Like you guys, like <laughs> completely changed my mind on anything. <laughs> So I have to like die on this hill, but no, no. For me, he's a lottery pick. Is what I'll say. I, I don't mm-hmm. think he should go past fourteen. That 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 is like even for me is like too crazy. I, I think he's a hundred percent a lottery pick. Um, he needs to go in the lottery because of what we talked about. Because like we're we've talked about this for months now, Corey. There's a top five that pretty much everyone is consensus on. Actually, I shouldn't say everyone, but you know we have like kind of like that upper echelon, that higher tier, and everything after that is kind of like is kind of muddied right now you know it's hard to say like even tankathon right now has scotty barnes going sixth and i know Corey, for you i think your number six guy is davion right davion's my number davion's my number five 
Yeah. Okay. Well, even better. Maybe, number maybe five. There we go. Kaminga's my six. Okay, so here we go. So I think for me, he's kind of in that range, right? After that upper tier, depending on how you feel, that's where you should go. For me, I, I'm, I'm, I would still have, oh God, I would say 10 to 14 is where I'm at. At Albert, the GM, 10 to 14 is where I would grab Jalen Johnson. And there are some uh, interesting teams in, in that range. Teams that I... Uh, I kind of like him, you know, talking about fit and, and whatnot. The number 11 team, the Charlotte Hornets. I think that he would be a sick role man catching oops from Mello. Um, and he kind of offers something a little bit different than, you know, I mean, granted, Miles Bridges, you know, same kind of deal, but he's got much better size than than Miles. I also kind of like him in Indiana. Now, obviously, like you play him as a bonus at the same time, but like I think playing him with a stretch big like Miles Turner is really interesting. So if he were to drop, so there there are some interesting uh, spots in that that little range that that you're comfortable taking him in, and uh, I think that would you know he's a steal in in that range personally. If you are buying stock in Jalen Johnson, who may you have bought stock in previously, Nathan? You mentioned a you mentioned a guy um that KOC went with in, in the ringer mock in, in Aaron Gordon. Um and and I think that's that's a pretty good one. That that is a good one. I definitely think he's more capable offensively than somebody like Aaron Gordon. I think not not that he's like a full time point guard like Ben Simmons, but obviously like shades of Ben Simmons definitely come to mind, especially if he's going to attack and transition um, the defensive versatility of, of Aaron Gordon definitely comes to mind. <sighs> Those are probably the two best names I would go with. I will say that, like, in that pit game, when he was making some of those pull-up mid-range shots that were, like, contested to all hell by Champagny because Champagny wanted to get the best of him on that end, man. he we, we were talking about some, like, Paul George type of, like, mid-range shot making where I was just like, what is this? Like, is, is this something that we can get out of – Jalen Johnson in the future because if it is like you really got to be all the way in now I think the three of us probably don't believe that or we're not going to buy something like that but if we're putting like the the KOC the ringer NBA draft guide like shades of like Gordon Simmons Paul George for 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 little spurts here and there like that's a that's a really exciting player and to say that he's done a lot of that off pure raw ability that's scary that's just really scary all right, I'm going to just go for it. Hmm. If you're buying stock in Jalen Johnson, maybe you've previously bought stock in young early Blake Griffin. Early wow. Clippers, Blake Griffin, role man Blake. Kind of, uh, he's got a little kind of a versatile game. Now, not a not on Blake's level, I don't think. Blake had a little bit of nuance, but as I think he offers a little, a lot of kind of the same type of things that like Blake offered, maybe not even early, maybe like a post knee surgery, Blake. Um, But I feel like, I, I don't think that he's going to get there because if I did, he's obviously a guy that you're taking in a top three at that point. But I see shades of, of young Blake and Jalen at times. That's a in, great one. In, ha- in how I would use him 
if I were a GM, I would be watching some some early Blake Griffin film. <laughs> I've also seen some shades of uh, James Johnson. So, uh, you know, there there's highs and lows there. <laughs> Corey, that's insane that you brought up Blake. Because, um, yeah, I, I, I get what you're saying. I think, I, obviously, you know, as you mentioned, Blake was definitely a little bit better. I, Blake's handle was unbelievable, even when he came into the league. Jesus Christ. His, Who shoots the ball better through their rookie contract? What Blake did um, or what Jalen Johnson you think will do? Because I'd actually bet Jalen Johnson on that one. I, 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 don't, I, don't, I don't think it's close. That's something you could debate. The Blake shot didn't develop until way later on. Yeah. yeah. And – and God, I would love, and I'm just saying, I would love to see Jalen play with capable point guards. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I sent out a tweet this morning, and it was kind of because I was watching these Jalen games and watching Duke. And I looked at a guy, and the tweet was basically like, I hope people, I hope young guards are watching the way that Chris Paul plays the point guard position. I hope that they're watching the pace that he plays with the fact that he doesn't have to be sped up and feel like he's racing to spots. He knows he can get there whenever he wants just by like, all right, I'm going to come off this screen and then just snake it. And he's not like a lot of people kind of fired back like, Oh, but you're, you have to talk about how skilled Chris Paul is like, yeah, Chris Paul is one of the fucking most skilled guards of all time. Like goes without saying, but like he's just coming off a screen and snaking it. That is not something that is like super, super, upper echelon skill level like this is something that every young guard is doing in workouts um you know like at you're probably like you got middle school guards that are learning how to snake ball screens but you know i was like watching dj stewart and like he's just like flying to his spots sometimes and like i think like if you watch him in a workout you'd be like yo why are we not talking about this kid higher up right and there are definitely times where he's shown flashes of like really high talent level, but I wouldn't exactly say that he's like a guard who is playing this nuanced game. And all I'm saying is I kind of wish that we saw Jalen play with a guard who was able to play with a nuanced game. Now he might not get that in the NBA right away, but if he does, I think he'll, he'll get better than Jordan Goldwire, man. I promise yeah. you. He's gonna get better than Jordan <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I just, I, I think that the, the NBA point guards are going to, amplify his game and like i was a guy i was never really a big miles bridges guy i wasn't that high on him in the draft i was like he's kind of too small to be a power forward um he doesn't really have the skills to be a full-time wing he kind of had a weird career up and through up until last year and now it's like he played with a point guard who completely amplified all of his strengths in mellow in these play and he you know he's played with now he's playing with a bunch of playmakers with graham and mellow and you know like and hayward and and like i feel like jalen's a guy who like if he's gonna get better when he's playing with talented players um and that seems like something that goes without saying for a lot of players but like sometimes players don't know how to play off of talented players and i feel like talented players are going to be able to amplify jalen's strengths in a way that we're going to go fuck we let this guy fall all the way to wherever we let him fall to. How did that happen? Oh my God. Jonathan Kaminga never learned how to shoot and, and he's upright and stiff and <laughs> Scotty Barnes is six foot nine and he's averaging three and a half rebounds a game and a half a block. What is going on here? That there is a world within which that happens. Yep. Uh, I don't know if it's the world that we're currently living in, but it could be. 
it could be. Mm. That's all mm. I'm saying. That's that's I think okay. my 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 final Jalen. I think Johnson. you sold us that pen. I don't know if that was your time to do that segment, <laughs> but you definitely sold me that pen. <laughs> yeah. So oh, I, I mean, I, I think we've kind of hit on like how volatile he is. I think we know that there's a world in which, like I said, he he hits and makes everybody regret passing him up, and there's a world in which he goes to a situation that's not that ideal, or maybe he does have personality. Maybe the personality stuff's real. You know, there's there's a world. So I think that he is a guy who there is a little bit of volatility to with with all the positives I just said. Can I can I give you guys a comp? Um, yeah. Sorry. Like, I'm not I'm not comparing like like, oh, their games are very similar. But I'm saying I would like to see how these two guys develop and how their careers go. So forget about Franz. Forget about Scotty Barnes. Forget about all that. I want to see now, of course, the guy that I'm talking about is like legitimately, I think, like four years older, but he just got drafted last year. Um, you know, what I'm talking about. Yeah. No, a little, little hint there uh, for me. It's Obi Toppin. I want to see how these two guys turn out. Now, hear me out. Just hear me out for a second. OK, um, I obviously I, I like Jalen Johnson better as an athlete. Right. And I think Jalen Johnson's a slightly better passer, but I really like Obi Toppin's passing. Like that passer. was the part of his game, yeah, that I really liked about Toppin. Now, I Corey remembers I wasn't like huge on Toppin when the Knicks took him because I'm a huge Knicks fan, but I am interested to see how their careers develop because Toppin at the end of the season, his shooting really improved and he was like hitting threes for us in the playoffs. And like as that confidence grew and as he got more situated in the NBA game, um, he definitely started. Uh, to be more comfortable with the shooting. And it looked pretty decent. I will say Jalen Johnson is a way better defender for me. Like, I don't even think it's really close at all. Um, But I don't know. Toppin kind of got better defensively too. So once again, I'm not saying that they're similar in their games, but I would like to see how they end up turning out. Is that fair? Am I crazy, guys? It's interesting because Mm -hmm. where I think OB's game has kind of maxed itself out not from a production or an efficiency standpoint but kind of like the number of wrinkles you're going to see from his offensive game I don't think he develops any more wrinkles necessarily Mm -hmm. where that's like Jalen Johnson could have like 10 different wrinkles potentially develop about his game but they might not pan like he may show that he's able to do some of those things in spurts some of those things may not end up being as efficient as Obi Toppin might get to in terms of efficiency, like Obi Toppin may turn out to be the far and away better shooter for the majority of his career. Um, Obi Toppin may turn out to be the much better role man for the majority of his career. He may just figure that out a lot better than Jalen Johnson has. So that's actually a really interesting comparison that, that, that you put forth. I'd, I'd probably bet Johnson. Okay. I'm, I'm more of a Johnson guy than I was an Obi Toppin guy, but I, I won't I won't rule that out, Albert. I, I'm not going to say that's crazy at all. I won't rule that out, 100%. And it's interesting because Toppin went eighth last year. So just yeah. throwing that in there too. Yeah, probably the same range. And I will say, I think Obi's another one of those guys where when he's no longer playing with Alfred Payton, he's playing with an actual point guard who can you know make consistent decisions, put pressure on defenses for real. He's another guy that I think like, has the, the skill set that is going to be amplified by playing next to a good player. Whereas like if he's just standing in the corner and Alfred Payton's dribbling the ball and, you know, waiting for Julius Randle to get it at the elbow, like that, what are we doing here with Obi? Right. But if he's actually playing in an offense that suits his strengths with a guard who knows how to actually get him the ball in his spots, 
you'll see a much different Obi, which, you know, kind of, especially with the Julius situation and, you know, probably going to be a situation where he's extended, you know, it might not happen for Obi on the Knicks. It might happen in the, at the next spot. Um, or maybe it never happens, but it, it could happen if he finds the the right, you know, team structure around him for sure with Obi. And, and it is definitely an interesting comparison. Um, all right. I think that's, uh, I think we, we covered all bases for our uh, Jalen Johnson episode. This is probably our longest episode for one single mm. player. And I, I think we needed to to talk it out in, in full. Yeah. It needed to be this long with how, how long we've been uh, teasing the episode. And, and I think that Albert, you were completely fair in, in your assessment uh, of him. And uh, I, I think that uh, I think maybe after you're you're a little more in on him maybe a no, little bit a hundred a hundred percent a hundred percent i think it's once again i think it's the framing of it all you know like yeah. i just saw him as a number one and i hated the idea of that but um i do want to say nathan like you definitely did not disappoint and you brought a lot of really really good points and i appreciate that because like for me when i watched Jalen johnson like i had some you know hesitations but once again it all was like contextual stuff for me Right. Like I, I just couldn't see him as the, the, the alpha, the number one, the the A option, the one A option. And so if he's a number two and with everything that you guys broke down and talked about, I'm in, dude. I'm, I'm definitely in on that. You don't have to die on any hills, man. I've, I've learned that now. There's no no reason to die on hills. You don't got to show anybody backbone that that doesn't need to happen, man. You, you can always change your opinion based on new information. That's true. That's true. Welcome, I agree with that. Welcome, welcome to the Draft Act podcast, where we only <laughs> die on hills. Um, <laughs> Nathan, uh, tell the listeners everywhere that they can uh, they can find you and and anything that you got going on right now. So first, I want you to follow us on Twitter at Draft Deeper because we're like five followers away from six hundred at the time of recording Ooh. this. So like, please help us get over that hump. I've been wanting to get over that hump for the last week, but bump, bump um, it up. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, subscribe to our YouTube channel. And there's going to be a lot of interesting content coming over the next month, month and a half. So I'm really excited. And and, and who knows? Maybe we do another collaboration pod before then. I, I would hope so. But th- this this was awesome. Sure. This was really th- – this was one of the smoothest pods I think I've been on from just like a chemistry standpoint. Like I think that we all were able to get our takes in and we all kind of like saw each other's points and – it was, it was pretty cut and dry to me. That that was awesome. So we're like the, the 16 Warriors right now. <laughs> play, playing off each wow. other. There we go. I like that. And I'm dying on that hill. Albert, <laughs> where can the people find you? <laughs> you can find me at uh, Sean Livingston. No, I'm just kidding. Um, at Alberto Gim. I, I, yeah. The 2016 Warriors, that was a freaking great team. <laughs> Um, I would like to be Sean Livingston one day. Man, <laughs> if only he didn't get hurt, right, guys? Jesus. Yep. The prospect that Sean Livingston was, Jesus Christ. But um, yeah, I'm Clippers at Alberto left. Gim. I know, I know, Jesus, Clippers left. Um, at <laughs> Alberto Gim is my Twitter handle. Still workshopping, guys. Uh, if you have any ideas, please let me know. But um, Nathan, once again, dude, awesome. This was really, really great. Appreciate it, dude. Nothing but love for you guys. Thanks for having me on, seriously. Yeah, it was, uh, it was a pleasure. We're definitely going to... Uh have you on again guys and girls all over the world because you've been showing us love all over all over the the globe if you haven't yet subscribe and if you haven't rate the podcast and leave a review um that'll really really help 
Um, but you guys and, and girls and and everybody else, you've been you've been killing it, and we appreciate how you've been rocking with us and uh, all the growth that we've seen over the course of the season. So uh, we will be back next week with another prospect, and uh, can't wait to see you then. Peace. Peace.